This is John Martinka, and welcome to another episode of the Getting the Deal Done podcast series. My special guest today is Lori Nichols. Lori is a succession and transition coach. Uh, you can see her website at laurinichols.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-N-I-C-H-O-L-S.com. And Lori, welcome. Thank you, John. It's so good to see you. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. Now, you were a partner in a firm that, and you successfully exited. And you learned some lessons from that that you are going to share with us that you share with your clients on succession and transition uh, planning and the coaching you do in that. So let's start. What's the number one derailer uh, from navigating uh, you, what you, I think you have called it the tricky path from independence to sale? You know, what I see as the number one derailer is it's kind of a one-two punch of assumptions and expectations that are largely unspoken. And that could be assumptions made by partners about their business partners. That could be expectations they have about each other and how things are going to go. It could be assumptions and expectations about team members that are an, uh, an essential part of the process. but it really boils down to uh, just this lack of effective, candid communication, and it's rooted in uh, false confidence because you you are making assumptions that you believe to be true about, about the other people who are stakeholders and you having the kind of outcome that you would like to have. Okay. Well, I think that ties into what we talked about a little while ago about uh you know, the, the attitude these days that people don't want to work, they're less ambitious and would flip, I guess it would go both ways. There's false assumptions about, are they willing to work hard enough to take over the business and things like that, right? Yeah, you know, it's really fascinating because as my business has evolved, I've worked with both the business owners and I get contacted on the regular by people that I consider those next generation professionals or or key employees. And um, there's this real disconnect between the business owner and those essential employees that is really rooted in, again, those assumptions and, and really a lack of effective communication. And when I say effective, I'm really talking about candid communication what do you want? What are you is interested in? What are your concerns? And um, both ways. And it's interesting because um, I think for business owners, and this was truly uh, the case with me and my partners, is we didn't, A, we didn't prioritize planning. Candidly, we didn't prioritize much planning of any kind because you start to have some success and you're just caught in that current of busy all the time. And so we didn't prioritize, you know, great planning, which meant that we didn't prioritize succession planning either. And by not prioritizing succession planning, that means we didn't engage the kind of people that we needed to uh, on our team to have them better prepared. And it's just this recognition that it all takes time. 
And I would say too, my my tagline is succession planning with heart, because it's this realization that it has to be a genuine, authentic interest in what matters to the those key team members that you're working with every day that have probably played a role in you having success. And if they're essential to you having a good outcome through a transition, whether it's internal succession or a sale, and after a transition, um, if there's not authentic interest in those people and real engagement, not after you've told them you're selling, which is a mistake that we made, um, but it's really engaging people appropriately and effectively all along the way. And ultimately, it comes down to building know, like, and trust. You as a business owner with your team, and it's picking people to be on your team wisely. And those that are going to be, even if they're not business partners, they have the personal qualities to be good partners going forward. So you can start to, with communicating effectively, kind of push through that noise, especially the the narratives that we hear today about people not wanting to work or they're not ambitious enough. If you start early enough having these conversations and thinking of it as development for your next generation, um, you bring them along if it's less daunting for you. And it's certainly less daunting for them because maybe some of that fear of ambition, sorry for the air quotes, is really more about, um, I'm afraid that I can't do it or I'm not up to the task. And because there's not that investment, if you will, into developing and mentoring, you know, you could just see that that gap between people, whether you want to think of it as generational or, you know, however you want to characterize it, but you can just see that gap grow. Okay. Uh, good, good lessons from your uh, business sale. Why not give us a case study about a client of yours, anonymous, of course, and uh, mm -hmm. how it worked out. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting. Uh, there's many to choose from. And one that comes to mind is uh, not a super large firm, but it was a professional service firm. And there was uh, there were two partners, but one was most definitely the, the majority shareholder and uh, old, more seasoned older. <laughs> so you've got a baby boomer owner and a, a millennial um, successor. And it was the millennial successor that actually reached out and was just, you know, the frustration levels were off, off the charts and just uh, they communicated a lot, but not effectively. And so the fun part of the engagement for me was really coming in because I do have kind of a framework for approaching this work. And it starts by really connecting with people and listening, given, giving each one of those business owners a chance to truly express what it is that they want to uh, somebody who's only skin in the game is that they all have a good outcome and a desire to help them find that mutually rewarding sweet spot and to be on uh, healthy enough terms from a relationship perspective that they can communicate candidly what they really want. And so coming in there, helping them individually give voice to what it is that they wanted, then 
bringing them together and facilitating those conversations so that we could get things on the table and not be making so many assumptions about what the other person was thinking or wanting. And then working from there to say, to again, support them and figuring out how to put those puzzle pieces together. And it was uh, an amazing experience. And for them, it wasn't easy. And there were those moments when uh, when healthy candor is a challenge and scary and all of that. But it's, again, having somebody come in that can uh, be almost like scaffolding for everybody to feel uh, safe in terms of being able to have those courageous, candid conversations so that you can move forward. They made some team member changes after that and some other strategic changes because they got on the same page. And, uh, you know, they are, have been doing great, you know, in these past, gosh, it's been probably about a year and a half. Okay. G great story. And I, you know, I know from my work in transitions and sales and purchases of businesses, it's all about the people. And it's even yes. more that way with when it's internally, uh, a, a management buyout succession. So you have a the triple win succession formula uh, to do the succession planning the right way. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so when I think about that, um, it came about because as I started working with clients following the sale of my company and and being in this place of really reflecting back and and actively trying to harvest the lessons and combining that with the all the training that I've done since then in, in terms of coaching and emotional intelligence and all this kind of stuff, it just really became clear that there's this formula and it is about communication. That's effective, courageous, candid communication, real, real engagement with your key stakeholders, and then uh, leadership development for those key uh, non-owner stakeholders that might might either buy you out or are key to a successful transition after an external sale. And I think of it as a triple win because it's what's really key to a win for the uh, either the founder or the uh, older shareholders and a win for the team and those next generation team members, successors, if, if they're going to be owners, and a win for clients. Because if there's not, a, a, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a stool with three legs. If there's one of those missing, and it's pretty frequently, it's a win for the successor or the team members that is either short, it's a short leg, or it's a missing leg. And in that run up that what I believe should be a longer lead time to preparing the people involved, um, that that stool is not going to stand uh, solidly on its own and you're going to have challenges. So when I think of win-win also, it's my win is not at your expense and yours is not at mine. So how do we find that sweet spot that uh, is mutually rewarding for everybody, including clients? Okay. So what what can trip up a, a succession plan? And let's use the example of you've got a, uh, you know, one, two or three management people going to be taking over. What what can trip it up? 
You know, what can trip it up is it comes back to the same theme. It's not effectively communicating and operating from uh, expectations and assumptions that you've not said out loud and validated with the other people that are involved. And so whether that's the person who's uh, exiting or that's the people that you're going to be moving forward with. I've got a couple of clients going on right now, and that's a lot of the work that we're doing is around um, helping them get more comfortable with being candid about uh, how it's going, what they need, what they think the issues are, and getting focused on um, here's our, uh, it's kind of aligning around how are we going to work together moving forward so that we become this cohesive team that is rowing in the same direction and uh, that that we become a team. Okay. Uh, you talked about what people need and all of that. How often is money one of those issues? You know, it's pretty much always, it's kind of like there's two undercurrents. One is emotional because we're people, we're humans, and it's always there. The, the question is just how strong the current, the, the undertow is, and money's always there. And if there's not the no like, and trust factor um, really solid between people, the money undertow can kind of sweep things away too, because uh, uh, whether it's one person thinking either their share should be higher or the valuation as a whole isn't high enough, you know, there could be any number of things that come up around the money. And, you know, and I see it pretty frequently where um, especially founders um, because of everything they've invested personally, not just financially, there's, you know, you might say rightly so, they've got a, a real strong sense about what their share share should be. And uh, yet in the spirit of win, 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 it's being able to talk about money also in a really effective way. And getting, I'm a big believer in getting a, um, a professional valuation done. So it's not, you know, a number that's just put out on the table by somebody, especially somebody that may be in a more, uh, powerful position than the other people participating. Yeah. And then you get the owners it, who will say, well, I look at all the sweat equity I have in the business and uh, sweat equity doesn't have much value unless it shows up in profits. Uh, I remember many years ago, I had a client and she said, well, it's got to be worth more. I've been in business for 15 years. And it's like, no, it's not showing up on yeah. the bottom line. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the thing too, is like, you know, for most of my, the clients that I work with, um, I think this is kind of the, uh, what's always key for me in saying yes, is that it's personal for them. And it's not just a transaction and, and, you know, kind of a line item on their balance sheet because of that sweat equity, it's being able to support people in thinking differently about it doesn't mean the business doesn't have value, but, and this kind of ties back to that last question that you asked for the next generation, it's business owners have to realize, or I should say the next generation or an outside buyer, it's an investment and they will be looking at it as an investor. 
and for uh, employees that are being invited to uh, invest or, or asked to invest, they should be looking at it as an investment. And so that's where doesn't mean the sweat equity doesn't have any value, but it is an investment for the people that you are going to be doing this transaction with. And so, again, that's where, you know, uh, for some people, it's having a safe place to kind of work through what they're thinking about that and how they're feeling about that can be really helpful. Okay. So, you, you know, you, you, you went through it without a plan. Um, do you have any examples of surprises that came up either for you or for any of your clients? You know, I feel like we did a great job with the clients. Um, but the other surprises that came up, it was all the people stuff. We had a fantastic business attorney, David Lyons. I say his name because he was just so awesome. I don't believe he's practicing law any longer. Um, but he did such a great job with our shareholder agreement. That's one lesson is like, wow, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> the shareholder <laughs> agreement <laughs> made a really big difference because we had a partner that uh, sought to retire early. And that shareholder agreement was a really important part of that transition as well. And then later on, when we, we actually sold the company, uh, again, having a really solid shareholder agreement can't say enough about making sure um, that you've got that. But the, you know, kind of, so that was a, a pleasant surprise. The surprising surprise was more around how, uh, and I had two business partners older than me by probably seven to 10 years, both men. And to some degree, the differences in how we experienced it were could have been gender, could have been generational a little bit, but it, one person in particular really struggled after the transaction. It's not ours. We're, you know, we, and in our case, we had an earnout period. So we were under contract and essentially employees for the first time in more than 20 years. And I'm not going to lie, that's not easy. <laughs> and so um, I worked with my own coach and was pretty prepared for that kind of change, but my partners did not. And I, they, I think they struggled because we all wanted the transaction to happen, but I think uh, I was really surprised at how much uh, the one partner in particular really struggled. And um, just the dynamics at play uh, from that struggle. And then the third thing is the lessons learned uh, and the challenges from not uh, talking more candidly and uh, laying out what the transition period was going to look like for our team and, and really for clients too, uh, that we talked in generalities about what would happen the day after. So day one, post-transaction, what's this going to look like? And so that we're setting expectations. And so that's something that I talk a lot with my clients about is, is the importance of having that communication plan ready to go. Because the quicker you help everybody feel like they know what's happening, because employees 
rightfully so, will be wondering what's going to happen to me. <laughs> and yeah. so it's important to have those questions ready to answer. Yeah. You just hit on two hot buttons in my world of, and one is transition plan, which is why I provide an outline or template of one. So that's not first day. Tell me what I need to know. Well, I don't know. What do you want to know? Yeah. And uh, it, the other is really important for someone selling a business. What are you going to do next? And mm -hmm. too many people get into it and then realize, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they may not have hobbies and yeah, the, the the business has become the biggest part of their life. So you you know hitting on those, uh, I I applaud you for that. So. Yeah, you know, and it's like uh, for us that that was part of like I had a really good sense. I knew that I was going to explore a new career, and here I am. It's like probably seven years. Uh, later, you know, have a thriving coaching practice. One of my partners, he knew he was going to go on a kind of a more spiritual journey. And um, he's also, you know, kind of well-adjusted after the the fact. And, and uh, you know, but so many people that if the business plays this, this kind of outsized role, it's tough. It can be very tough. And so, um it is important to be thinking about that, but it's also just really important to think about that transition, the day-to-day -day work life that the team is going to experience. Good. Anything else you'd like to get out? Oh, gosh. I would just say, you know, um, if you're thinking about selling or if you are if you work for a firm that is starting to have, you know, at least small conversations about what if is really lean into, I'll say kind of that energy of um, uh, being courageous and having conversations. And even if you're not the owner, it's like, what, what, you know, what's the worst that could happen if you um, invite a conversation about, you know, how you might participate or, you know, what you're thinking about the future, what's important to you. It's being courageous and uh, inviting people into conversation to really get to know what are they really thinking and challenging the assumptions that you have. That's good Great. for everybody, even in marriage, right? <laughs> Great <laughs> advice. Great advice. So uh, my guest today has been Lori Nichols, a succession and transition coach. And as she mentioned, succession planning with heart. And you can reach her at 206-795-3769 or at laurinichols.com. Lori, thank you for being here for a discussion on what you do in succession planning. Thank you so much, John. It was great to see you and I appreciate the conversation. All right.